Tonight's message is called the divine combination. The divine combination. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, says in the King James, in the New King James Version, it says, And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. The King James Version says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Charity is love. These three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. And the New Jerusalem Bible, it says this, As it is, these remain. Faith, hope, and love. The three of them, and the greatest of them, is love. Tonight, I want to talk to you about a subject. The divine combination and we're using the illustration of a three-legged table. A three-legged table stands firm. A little stool, you might have it. And on top of that three-legged stool, it supports the message we preach. We could describe these three primary aspects of faith, hope, and love as the gospel of the kingdom, as the three table legs that comprise this divine combination that God has given us. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. Said another way, the three stabilizing legs of faith, hope, and love combined is the gospel message that Jesus taught when He was on the earth. For us to preach anything other then the stabilized gospel becomes a false balance, might I suggest. And Proverbs 11.1 1 says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is God's delight. Another translation says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And another translation, the New King James Version says, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. We want to have a balanced message, not a falsely balanced message that gets us off track. It doesn't matter whether you're in the left-hand side of the ditch or in the right-hand side of the ditch when you swerve off the road, the bottom line is you're not on the road anymore. So the enemy doesn't care how you get imbalanced as long as you're not in balance. He doesn't care how you get imbalanced as long as you are not in balance. You know, recently we had somebody go across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. And I don't know if you saw it on TV, I saw just a clip of it on the news the next day, but he did not have a safety harness on. And he was saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And people all over the world were praying for him that were believers because they didn't want to see him drop. 1,500 feet. He wanted to remain in balance. Does that emphasize the point of the importance of balance so we don't become unstable or imbalanced in our faith and fall to our own 
destruction. Some have suffered shipwreck in their faith, the Scripture says. And you don't want to get shipwrecked in your faith. You want to remain in the stream, in the banks of safety. Now, there are times when God will emphasize certain points, obviously, but it's to get a point across. And then He'll bring us back into balance. Some ministers have a strong message in a specific area. I'm going to give you some examples. Some ministers have a strong emphasis on holiness. But holiness, apart from love, becomes legalism and religion. It becomes an outward appearance of holiness, but the inward heart is not been changed. So it's just a religious activity. Some ministers have a strong emphasis on coming out of debt. They're financial deliverers when they preach, and they have a prosperity message. But if it's not anchored in hope and love, it too can become out of balance. And every time you hear them speak, it's always about money. Now, is money important? Sure. People work 60-hour weeks for money. They use money to buy things, to provide for... It's, it's important. Jesus talked quite a bit about it. However, when it's not mixed with the stabilizing legs of the other components of the gospel, it can become a false balance that's an abomination to the Lord. What about healing? Healing's important, isn't it? Well, it may not be that important if you're not sick. But to the person who is sick, it's very important. But if all we talk about is healing, and we don't talk about love and hope, we can be out of balance there. Now, this being said, Scripture says in Psalms 119, verse 160, Psalms chapter 119, verse 160, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalms 119. It says this in the New American Standard Version. The sum of thy word is truth. The sum of thy word, the totality of thy word is truth. And every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. The NIV says, all of your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. The King James says, the word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And in the New King James Version, it says, The entirety of thy word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgment, judgments endure forever. I want to emphasize the New American Standard Version of this passage, because we're talking about the divine combination, the stabilizing legs that properly present the gospel of the kingdom. And this is what it says in Psalms 119. 160, the New American Standard Version, the sum or the totality of thy word is truth. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people will quote verses of Scripture and when they quote them to support their position, other Scriptures come to your mind to kind of balance what they say or even refute what they say. Remember when the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain and showed Him all the kingdoms of the world in Matthew 4. And He says, all all of these I will give you if you just bow down and worship me. Why don't you just throw yourself off? Because it is written that He will command His angels regarding you, Jesus, to pick you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
Jesus responded, It is also written, Tempt not the Lord thy God. Jesus, you've been on a 40-day fast. You're hungry. Why don't you command these stones to be made bread? <coughs> Jesus could do it. You're hungry, but it's the wrong way in the wrong time. Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. By every word. The sum of thy word is truth. The divine combination is the totality of what the gospel is about. Not a small portion that we lean on to get us through and the other table legs become weak in our message or imbalanced. And when the storm comes, we find out that the message that we've taught, the message that we've believed at times can't handle the storm because it wasn't founded upon the rock. It was founded upon the sand. For years, I've noticed that there are believers that like to major on certain doctrines. And when you bring up other doctrines, they don't know anything about it. They can't defend themselves in the faith. They, they are not properly able and equipped to handle a response to that. It's because they've had a false balance in one area. Tonight, we're going to get back into balance. Look at your neighbor and say, time to get back into balance. Time to get back into balance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible reveals three primary aspects to the kingdom of God. Faith, hope, and love. Now these things remain, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The gospel of the kingdom was taught and proclaimed by Jesus and the disciples. Jesus fed the multitudes, healed the sick, and cast out devils, demonstrating the power of faith. He forgave the woman caught in adultery in front of her religious accusers, telling her to go and sin no more, demonstrating God's unconditional love. Jesus' message to the world also included the future of believers in heaven for eternity with the Father, imparting God's hope. Amen. You see the three table legs that Jesus lived? He demonstrated? He imparted God's hope to the hearts of the hearers. Together, these three aspects comprise the message of Christ to the world today, making up what I refer to as the divine combination of God's kingdom. Faith, hope, and love. Let's say faith, hope, and love. In keeping with Jesus' example and the example given to us by the early church in the book of Acts, the present day church is proclaiming each of these aspects of God's kingdom in varying forms across the earth. Some are vividly proclaiming God's message of faith. While God's power for healings, deliverances, and other miraculous signs are demonstrated as a result, and this is a wonderful thing, others share God's message of hope, imparting faith in the afterlife and establishing the hearers in biblical truth that strengthen them in their walks with Christ. And yet others give God's message of love to a lost and hurting world of humanity, resulting in the compassion and unconditional love and forgiveness of the Father, bringing emotional and spiritual healing to the brokenhearted. All three of these things are good. 
We could describe these three aspects that comprise the divine combination as table legs of truth upon which the gospel of the kingdom stands. The stabilizing legs of faith, hope, and love together is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom. I like to refer to it as the gospel, the medicine that makes us well. The gospel. Have you taken the gospel? That's the pharmacy you need to go to. I'm not opposed to the other one if that's where you're led, but His Word is like a medicine. The gospel. Okay. What happens, however, when one of these three table legs is overemphasized above the other two or at the expense of the other two, will the table stand under pressure or will it become weak and wobbly or possibly even break or fall? Let's look to the benefits of each of these three stabilizing truth of God's kingdom as well as the potential dangers associated with each when not preached in proper balance with the other two. Are you ready to go on a journey? Say, let's go. Faith. The first component is faith. The faith message is often confirmed by God with accompanying signs and wonders. The power of God often spills out in such services. Visitations of the Lord occur. Visions, dreams, congregations that proclaim the faith message usually teach now faith and encourage believers to expect their miracles today. Nothing wrong with that. That's biblical. Additionally, genuine reports of healings, deliverance, and gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifested or made known in this type of congregational setting when the faith message is emphasized. At times, people who arrive in wheelchairs or on crutches leave walking upright and free. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the gospel is preached unto the poor, demons come out, people are set free, they're filled with the Spirit, they're empowered to go forth with the faith message that's preached. The message that's often preached is, by His stripes you are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. The message that's preached results in radical, dramatic encounters with God. As the word goes forth, the presence of God and faith for miracles and deliverances in the name of Jesus occur amidst a sea of expectant worshipers. Many experience much-needed spiritual breakthroughs during these services and come to know the God of power in the process. Often faith increases in those who are blessed and experience God in this manner. The testimonies of God's ability and desire to save, heal, and deliver others flow from the church into the neighborhoods. These congregations are many times filled with ex-drug addicts, alcoholics who've been delivered from addictions and are now serving the Lord with all their hearts. Pimps, thieves, gang members need the gospel of faith and power to deliver them out of darkness. Satanists, people involved and false religions need the God of power from the faith message that's preached. But it's only one of the three stabilizing legs. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Ex-Satanists, once bound by the devil, witchcraft, and torment, are now able to testify that Jesus set them free. Documented reports of incurable illnesses, cancer, and tumors suddenly disappear. 
and they mystify the doctors. Lives are extended and testimonies of Jesus the healer are part of many people's personal experiences. While the strengths of the faith message usually prove to be a divine blessing and is indeed part of the faith, hope, and love gospel Jesus preached, an unhealthy emphasis on faith alone without hope and love can result in an imbalance. At times, this can even cause irreparable harm to others. Listen to me. If not preached with the other two stabilizing legs of hope and love, this is what can happen. One weakness that underscores the faith alone message without love and hope. Remember, if I have faith to move mountains and I have not love, I'm a resounding symbol and a clanging brass. Are we in the Scriptures? One weakness that underscores the faith message can be a lack of unconditional love for those who aren't healed now. I've seen ministers that have great faith for signs and wonders and they see tremendous miracles. But when a person's not healed right away, sometimes there's another key that needs to be used in the realm of the Spirit. It might be prayer and fasting. It might be forgiveness. It might be... God wants to change health and diet. There may need to be an adjustment in the relationship with husband and wife or parent and child. Or There's a lot of things that factor in that we need to encourage people with hope for the future, not just faith now. We need to encourage people with the love as we weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn as well as rejoice with those that... Re you see the balance? A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. We need to walk in balance. Faith testimonies that have worked for one member successfully, when that was how God was moving in that person's life, don't always necessarily work for another because it's a personal God with a personal relationship. Faith is not a formula. Faith is a person. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of your faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Guess what? Faith really comes by hearing Jesus speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak and guess what He reveals? He reveals Jesus and Jesus reveals the Father. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks, have you ever read a passage of Scripture dozens of times, but all of a sudden this time you're reading it and the words leap off the page. It goes from the spoken word of what God has said to the speaking word of what God is saying. And just because He spoke to you last week on that same verse doesn't mean He's necessarily speaking to the next person today with the same verse. Have you ever run into a situation where you got a revelation out of the Scripture where the spoken or said word of God goes from the said word to the saying word? It becomes alive? And when it does, you get excited and you share it with your friend and they look at you like you have five heads. <laughs> 
Then a few weeks later, God gives them the revelation, but it's personal between them and God, and they come back to you, but to you, that's old revelation. It's day-old donuts. You've already moved on. You've got two or three other encounters with God. You're excited, and they look at you, and they tell you, and you try to rejoice with them, and they look at you like, why are you looking at me like I got five heads? <laughs> because faith is not a formula. It is a guideline. But faith is born out of relationship, okay. intimacy, into me, you see. Have you allowed him to see into you? The minute you allow him to see into you, he'll allow you to see into him. Faith is good. We're saved by faith. At the same time, faith worketh by love. Galatians 5.6 Faith worketh by love. If I have faith that moves mountains but have not love. Do you see how important it is? Mm -hmm. The stabilizing balance of love. God is love. God is power. That means love is power and love is what really releases the power of God. Amen. Love is born out of relationship. And faith springs from relationship because Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equals one. The sun that shines has light. It has heat. Doesn't it? And what's the third thing it has? You can feel it. You can see by it. Why am I? It has three things. I'll get back to that. Anyway, let me give you a different illustration. H2O, what is it? What's ice? What's steam? Well, what's H2O? Is it? Ice, water, or steam? And the answer is yes. yes. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Guess what? You're one. You're not three. You're a tripart being, but you're one. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love causes hope to spring eternal. Love causes faith to come forth. So don't get it twisted. And we're going to get on the love thing and we're going to find out that people that claim to have love, if they don't have faith and hope, they're out of balance. And I question whether or not their love really comes from God. Interesting thought to ponder. Let us go on. Is this helpful? One weakness that underscores the faith message. When, the, when this breakdown occurs, when God heals one person because he was moving in that person's life. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? Everybody was trying to get into the water where the angel would stir it at that time to get down for a miracle. Jesus walks through. How many did he heal? One. He only healed one. Yet, Scripture says in other places when the Spirit of God was flowing, he healed them all. So why does Jesus heal them all then he only heals the one? Because there's timing for miracles. You know in Matthew 26, 55, Jesus said these words. He says, why do you come to get me? I, wasn't I with you daily preaching in the temple and teaching in the temple? Wait a second. If Jesus is daily in the temple, 
Guess how he got into the temple? He had to walk through the gate beautiful. There was a man who was begging alms every day that was carried there in Acts chapter 3 that post-dates. It's after the fact. Jesus has died on the cross. He's buried in the tomb for three days. He's resurrected from the dead. Fifty days later, Pentecost happens. The power of God falls. All the disciples, 120 that are waiting in the upper room, come out filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Peter gets up, gives a great message in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 come to Christ because of the message. Chapter 3. Peter and John are walking through the gate beautiful that Jesus walked through almost on a daily... I was with you daily preaching in the temples. Matthew 26, 55. Yet they find a man who's carried daily to beg alms. And Peter and James come by him now that they're filled with the power and the love and the hope. And as they walk by this man and it's his time for his miracle that Jesus walked by on a daily basis and maybe just built his faith. Maybe he just built his faith every time he walked by. Maybe he just spoke a word of encouragement to him. Maybe he said, your day is coming. God's going to use your miracle at the appointed time for 5,000 to hear the message. You're going to become a sign or a wonder. God's going to use your healing. Stand firm. Fear not. Stand strong. Only believe. I don't know what he said, but I know the character of Jesus. He had to have done something. Just being in the presence of God in the flesh when he walked by with the adumbration of God's glory had to have done something in the man. And maybe God was working in the man's heart to say, you know what? You make a living this way, but I've got a way for you to live. Because I want to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And Jesus walked by this man and the man never gets healed. Yet, in Acts chapter 3, hope springs eternal and then faith and love kick in and the man looked up at Peter and John expecting to receive something from him. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, the healing power of God is with me today. Such as I have, I freely give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And immediately he took him by the hand and strength came in by the anointing of the living God and he came into his ankle bones and he got up and he began to walk and leap and praise God. And because of this miracle it opened the door. It was a key miracle because of the timing of God. It opened the door for all that walked by him. All that had seen him on that street corner of the gate beautiful and had given him alms often out of guilt. Now all of a sudden saw him upright and on his feet. And they said, is this the same man? Who did this? Peter and John. This same Jesus, Peter and John said, that you crucified has healed this man in his resurrected state through the power. And because of this miracle, 5,000 people come to Christ. What if that same man was in the congregations today where faith is preached? Do you think that love and hope would be with him? Or do you think he'd be walking in condemnation? Well, brother, you just need to get up out of that wheelchair. Faith is now. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. 
You think he's heard the message? God's got a divine appointment for you, a divine timing. And when it happens, you're going to be properly prepared to handle the influx of people coming into the kingdom because of what God's going to do in and through your life. Do you think that we preach that hope springs eternal, that love message to people that are backslidden? Or when we see them in their backslidden state, do we stick our religious noses up and then go call somebody for a gossip prayer session about so-and-so who's backslidden at the bar? Or do we actually get into intercession and cry out and sigh and cry for the abominations that are done in Jerusalem and call, hold on to the horns of the altar to call them back into the kingdom with the love of God? Are we willing to go into the highways and the byways and gently and if necessary strongly pull them out with the love of God? Pulling them out, snatching them out of the fire. Or do we go to their funerals and say, I told you so. Well, yeah. oh, too bad. Well, they backslid. They didn't respond to the message we preached. Ah, oh, they're there because they deserve it. We all deserve it! But God! But God! But God! You had a day where you shook your angry fist in the face of God and He loved you anyway. You had your day when you spurned the message of Christ but somebody reached out to you with the love of God in spite of. We're talking about the divine combination, faith, hope, and love together that make up the real gospel of the kingdom. And it's not to say that these other things are not real. I'm not saying that. Here's the point. When you take a medicine, if it's missing ingredients in it, one of those ingredients may benefit you. But when it has the combination of all of them, it fully benefits you. When you take the medicine every four hours as prescribed it has its greatest benefit when you take a triple dose once every 12 hours it messes you up and sometimes we come into church because we've not read the word all week we've not prayed all week we've not worshipped all week with the exception of prayer on the run and our CD or our little K-Love radio station and we say a little song on the way in between the phone calls while text messaging down the road and responding to a Facebook instant message and we call it worship and then we come amen or ouch then we come in to church and act like we're walking in the fullness. We're out of balance. And when the storm comes, we wonder why we get knocked off. One of the weaknesses of the faith message is when others get healed and someone else doesn't, we have a tendency to say, well, all you need is more faith. I don't believe that. Because all you need is the grain of a mustard seed of faith. Not even a full mustard seed, just a grain to get healed. I think we need less unbelief. I think we need more love. I think we need more hope to balance us out. And I think that it needs to come from rest, the rest of the body of Christ, but we can't give it unless we've got it. Right. And it comes through an intimate relationship with the risen Savior, seeing the unseen one. Amen. Examples of negative results born out of an unbalanced emphasis on the faith leg of the gospel can be discouragement, disillusionment, rejection, condemnation, etc. You know, 
Heidi Baker has a ministry, she and her husband Roland in Africa. They planted thousands of churches. When she walks into a village, God's given her anointing where she finds the blind man in the village and hugs him and God instantly gives him his sight back. Everybody in town in the village knows that that man's been blind. He once was blind, but now he sees. And because of that key miracle, at the timing of God, that the glory of God might be made manifest. They know that Jesus is the Savior. They come out of witchcraft and bondage and voodoo and all kinds of things that they worship. Snakes and rivers and rocks. And they begin to worship the living God. God, There's timing on miracles. This is what she said. She said that about 70% of the people they pray for in Africa get healed from blindness. She said 100% right now get healed of deaf ears. You know, we've had a lot of ear healings have happened over the last several months in and through this ministry on the road and here. And we see it, but not everybody's been perfectly healed. We're at about 75% is what we see. In, in deaf ears, hearing restorations. Sometimes we pray for people for one thing, they get a breakthrough in another area when we pray for them for healing for ears. We don't even know they've got an issue in those areas. We don't get discouraged. We don't say, well, you need more faith. We say, well, let's just go after it again. Jesus laid hands on a blind man. He says, do you see? He said, I see men, men walking like trees. Jesus says, well, that's about all you're going to get from heaven. I guess they're short-circuited up there. You must be in sin. He said, no, come on back here. He laid hands on him a second time. He says, now can you see? I see every man clearly. Don't give up too soon when you're preaching the faith message. And sometimes you need to love people through things or talk about hope for the future. And that's the three legs that bring stability to the gospel message. Because a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 11.1 An unhealthy performance spirit can also spring out of a faith message that's not balanced with hope and love. Well, you just need to confess the word more. Well, you need to fast more. You need to pray more. Well, you need to stand on your head more. You need to roll on the floor. You need to fall out into the power. You need to shake, rattle, and roll. You need to scream. You need to shout. You need to blow the shofar. And guess what? God works through all those things. But it may not be what God's working through in that moment. And while all that's going on, it may be that 70% of the people get healed and another 30% don't through that act. We don't stop there. We believe for the whole gospel because the sum of thy word, Psalms 119, 160, is truth. Not a piece of it is truth. This is what Heidi Baker says. She says, we don't have any deaf schools in our ministry because 100% of them get healed. She said, but we have blind schools. Do you know why? For the 30% that have not yet received their healing from blindness, we have schools for the blind. Notice the balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They meet the needs. Amen. They have children that get healed of AIDS, but those that don't yet get healed, they have areas to meet the needs of them. So this is the balance. Remember, there's 31 flavors at Baskin-Robbins. I think I just got a coupon on an email for a birthday 2.5 ounce cone. I love it, I love it. <laughs> what is a 2.5 ounce cone? 
That's like hardly a dollop of ice cream. It's like a tease. Anyway, praise God. 31 flavors. That's a whole other message. But 31, it's all ice cream. Right. But 2.5 ounces ain't going to cut it for me. Right. I like to have a banana split with the vanilla, the strawberry, and the chocolate. The faith, the hope, and the love. Stop giving people just a snippet of the message. Give them the sum of thy word, which is truth. And they'll be fed spirit, soul, and body. They'll know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They'll experience a wonderful glass of water with some ice in it. And maybe some steamy tea next to it. They'll get the full H2O experience. God is the God of variety. Let's enjoy Him that way and let's display Him that way as well. Congregants may feel pressured to perform certain acts of spirituality in a faith message only atmosphere. They may feel pressured to speak in tongues. Doesn't matter to me whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. I preach it. I'll lay hands on you. I might even speak. Receive now. And if you don't receive, or if it doesn't happen now, believe God that it will. But don't fake it. You know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit two weeks before I got released in speaking in tongues. It happened to me, my mouth was moving, but I couldn't get the words out. Okay, okay. I laid hands on other people or just pointed at them. The power of God hits and they fall out. They got a full language. You know what I got? I got a baby language. But when Jesus appeared to me in that prison cell, the glory of God appeared, I suddenly burst out two weeks later from this little baby thing that I had where I could hardly get it out of my mouth. That's all I had. It was like right here. It was kind of stuck. Of course, I'd been in a lot of sin. But God broke it forth like a river. And I had tongues rush out of me with multiplied rivers in front of my co-defendant Sal in that prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary. And languages came out, four and five of them, with tongues and interpretation of tongues. And it was multiplied rivers that night. And it's been that way ever since. So if you don't have a full flow yet, ask Jesus to give you more. And if you do have a full flow and somebody else doesn't, stop looking down on them with your little spiritual gift and your little crown. Before you find out that the first will be last and the last will be first. Because it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish it. So encourage someone, don't discourage them. Help complete them, don't compete with them. The world compares and competes Christians of the kingdom contrast and complete one another. When you're weak, I'm strong. And when I'm weak, you're strong. We're better together. And a triple braided cord cannot be easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12 Do you have the triple braided cord of faith, hope, and love? If so, your faith will stand. If not, God will allow it to be tested because He desires to strengthen you. Does that help on the 
single leg of faith. Nothing wrong with faith. But wouldn't you like to have the banana split of faith, hope, and love and get the full meal deal? The gospel of the kingdom? Not just the gospel of your denomination? That's right, that's right. You know what a denomination is? It's a part of the total. Amen. We need to let go of the denominations and grab Jesus again. Amen. Amen. That's good, David. There was a minister in Colorado and there was an assault against him as his congregation went from 17 members to 14,000. The power of God was spilled out in that place. 17 members in his basement. He fought witches and warlocks and spiritual warfare. He fought religious Pharisees and Sadducees. And they attacked him from the pulpits as his church grew bigger and bigger because he had the gospel message of faith, the gospel message of hope, and the gospel message of love which comprised the divine combination that Jesus taught. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Demonstrate the love of God. Here's what happened. One day there was a church that had been slandering him, spending their ministry, tithes and offerings to talk about him on the radio. They had slandered the man of God. But he wasn't slandering. Have you ever noticed about everybody talks about Jesus from other religions, but Jesus never talked about any of them? People come to me, well, you know, this and that, blah, 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 blah. I say, well, you know, this is funny. Your religion that you're in, everybody talks about Jesus, but Jesus never talked about them. Why is that? He's kind of a popular guy. All he talked about was his father. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's that tell you about him? Anyway, long story short, this man of God with a congregation that went from 17 members to 14,000 members, he began to talk and respond finally to the horrible accusations that had been made in the newspaper about him from this pastor of this other denomination which is a part of the total. And he said, today I want to talk to you about the church. And he named the church. And everybody in the congregation is like, praise God, he's finally going to give them both barrels and respond. And he said, I want to talk to you about that church. He said, turns out they're doing something that we're not doing. Everybody looked at him. He says, they've got a food pantry. He says, we don't have a food pantry. He says, they're doing a great work for the kingdom in an area that we have missed it. He said, this is what I'd like to do. He says, why should we do what they're doing when they're already doing it so well? We're going to take up an offering today and we're going to give 100% of it down to that church because they're doing such a good job with their food pantry, reaching people with the love of God. Everybody looked at him. He says, so everybody write out your checks because we're going to make an offering to that wonderful pastor who's doing a wonderful work with the food pantry at his congregation. And he sent a messenger that day from his church while he preached with that check that comprised what his congregation did by the love of God. Wow. With a note and a message we just wanted to honor you for what you're doing. We need you in the body of Christ. And that pastor broke in tears as he was convicted. Amen. Stop comparing and competing contrast and complete. If somebody's got something you don't have, honor them for it. Financially support it. 
pray for them that they succeed at it, and it will break down the barriers and make bridges where we can have unity in the body of Christ. Amen. Because I've got news for you, you don't have it all. Amen. That's right, that's right. And neither do I. And neither do they. But we have a tendency to think we do until a disaster happens in our nation. And then all of a sudden, we leave our denominations and we get back with Jesus. And we gather in a stadium after 9-1-1 and we forget about whether we're Protestant, Pentecostal, Lutheran, First Assembly, Second Church of the Frozen Chosen, twice dipped, sprinkled, dunked, or dry cleaned, once saved, always saved. Whether we speak in tongues or fail to speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues or think it's of the devil, we get together when there's a crisis because you're happy just to have a believer. But when times are good, we want to argue over the color of the carpet or whether or not Adam had a belly button being the first man. And let's just go ahead and split over that subject because it's so important. Let's divide. Terrorist attack comes. Nobody asked about whether Adam had a belly button or not. Nobody cares whether you speak in tongues or don't. Matter of fact, at that point, they're kind of happy you do. He used to have a prison guard come to me. He was a Calvinist. But when he had a real need, he'd come to me for prayer. And a Calvinist is somebody who believes that everything's already set up. It's... I don't want to get into that doctrine, but there's five points to a Calvinist, the tulip. Total depravity. Anyway. He comes to me, he says, I know you're an Arminian. Now, I'm an Armenian because my name's Herobedian, but an Arminian is somebody who was John Arminius, which is another doctrine which kind of con contradicted Calvinism. And Calvinism was a response to extreme Catholicism. So, the Catholics had an extreme leg that Calvin responded to with another extreme leg and John Arminius responded to with another extreme leg. And they all emphasized. And they're all out of balance. The Catholics said, you've got to have the church to be saved. And the Calvin said, oh, you just need faith alone through grace alone. Not of works lest any man should boast. And then you can't lose your salvation. And John Arminius says, no, you can lose it and you can be born again and unbe... Those that endure... Anyway, that's a whole other doctrine. My point is, do you see how we bounce from one thing to another? Why can't we all just get along? Now, I'm not talking about getting along when we don't agree on the essentials of the faith. That means there are no faith. What are the essentials? Well, I'm glad you asked. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the deity of Christ, the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried in the tomb and on the third day, He was raised from the dead. Those are the essentials. Amen. Heaven is eternal. There's a genuine hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Those are eternal issues. Mm -hmm. Tongues versus no tongues. It's a non-essential of the faith. Mm -hmm. Once saved, always saved versus you can lose your salvation. It's a non-essential of the faith. Mm -hmm. Healing. Does God heal today? Well, we know what this fellowship He does. Okay. But other people don't. Guess what? They're born again if they know Jesus. I'm not going to divide over that with them. And they shouldn't divide over it with you. Why can't we all get along? In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity or love. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The second aspect of the faith, hope, and love message is hope, and I'm going to expedite this because I think it's sinking in. 
The second aspect is hope. God often uses His hope message to bring a revelation of the future joy we will experience with Jesus in heaven in the sweet by and by. The hope of eternal life and streets of gold are framed in most of the services in a hope church. I have a ministry friend. His whole ministry is surrounded with a hope message. And people need a hope message, especially the last several years in America as God emptied the earth out of finances to find out where people were at, whether they were serving the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Mammon. And those that realized they were inadvertently serving the Spirit of Mammon, God's starting to refill their coffers now. And those that still don't get it are still on barely get by streets struggling and they haven't figured it out yet that they need to repent. And by the way, money is not an indicator of whether or not God is with you. If that was the case, then God is certainly with the pornographers in this nation. So don't get that message twisted either. But here's the litmus test. If God gave you money and it came without sorrow and your relationships are better because of it and people are coming to Christ because of it and the love of God is spilled out and you're funding the gospel of the kingdom in third world countries or helping... That's money that came from God. But if you're living in your little ivory tower with the gated community and saying, look at me, I've got my stuff and you don't have enough, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's an imbalanced message because it lacks love. The hope of eternal life and streets of gold are framed in most of Hope Church's messages. A mansion in heaven and the river of life are common themes. It will all be better when this life is over is often preached. Dying grace is proclaimed, taught and prayed for over those who are suffering with illnesses, chronic sicknesses, and terminal diseases. God honors this leg of the gospel preached and these individuals usually die with grace and honor as they step onto the other side with Jesus, waiting to take them into glory. Hear John's vision on the Isle of Patmos. Revelation 21, verses 3-5, through five, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be their God. And God will wipe, wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. That is part of the hope message. But my goodness, if we don't preach the faith message when we go to lay hands on the sick, we've missed a component. It's an imbalanced message. We push them on into eternity. They could have stayed, finished the course, done everything written in the books for them, and who knows how many other people would have come to Christ because of their testimony. But because we preach an imbalanced message, we preach dying grace when we should have prayed the prayer of faith. That's right, that's right, that's right. And there's other times when God says, I'm taking them home. Stop fighting and yield because you're not fighting for their soul or their life at that point. You're now fighting against God. I sometimes ask people in certain situations, what do you want? They'll look at me and they'll say, well, I want what, God's want, what God wants. Well, what's God told you? Have you finished your course? Have you done everything written in the books for you? If so, I'll pray the prayer release. Send you on home. Wow. And they look and they say, well, he did tell me this. Oh, well, if he told you that, then I can't imagine him contradicting himself. He's not schizophrenic. Why don't we pray the prayer of faith so you can finish the course? 
But there are also times when they say, I finished the course. I'm starting to see them on the other side. Call for my family because it's time. And at that point, I'd be doing them a disservice to keep them on this planet with prayers when God has called them home. But don't say God has plucked another flower for the bouquet of heaven from the earth. (laughs) He doesn't need any flowers up there. He's got hundreds, thousands. Mm -hmm. Do you see the balance? A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. And don't make excuses and make a theological twist on something when something happens. Just call it what it is. Encourage people where they're at. That's right, that's right. What do you do when you go to raise the dead like I did the other day and they didn't raise? You encourage. What do you do when the phone call comes in from the mother? You encourage. You meet people where they're at. Amen. You know, there's a time for a theological discussion. It's not at that point. Amen. Don't quote theology to people when they're distressed and hurting. Weep with those that weep. Mourn with those that mourn. Cry with those that cry. And laugh with those that laugh. Give the divine combination. Don't be a Pharisee with an answer for everything. You know, when there's grief in the room, that's not the time to quote Romans 8.28. Well, brother, sister, all things work together for good for those that love God. You just need to stand firm. You need more faith. No, they need somebody to love them and to hug on them and to weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn. And when the storm is over, we'll talk about those other issues. But at that point in time, nobody wants to hear Romans 8.28. Mm-hmm. Somebody told it to me one time. I looked at him and I said, you know what you can do with your Romans 8.28 right now? <laughs> That's right. I'm not trying to hear that. You got something from the Lord? I was hot. I learned not to give it to anybody else in that situation. You need your own word from God in a situation like that. And if you don't have a word for them from God, don't just quote some snippet verse. You Pharisee, apologetics genius with no fruit, briars and thorns. Get all three legs of the table and give them a little love. You got your teaching gift, serving up pots of meat out of crock pots that nobody ordered. They don't need your knowledge that puffs up. They need your love that builds up in that situation. That's right, that's right. Now, after the storm is over, then you can encourage them with Romans 8.28. Well, brother, well, sister, I know it's been rough, but the good news is this. We know that God's going to give you double for your trouble because you've stayed single-minded through this, and we're going to claim that the enemy's going to get plundered on this deal, and you're going to be rewarded back sevenfold for everything that's been stolen out of your life. Can you imagine Job has lost all of his children, seven sons, three daughters, livestock, servants. The houses have fallen in. He's had an F4 tornado come through. He's now with boils. He's cutting himself with a piece of pottery. And his friends come up and say, Well, brother, Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those that love God, Job, that are called according to His purpose. Maybe you're not really called. Maybe you're not. Well, you know, you didn't invite me to that big party that one time. This is probably why this came upon you. I'm not saying that's the real reason. But you did offend me. 
And now that you're in your place of terrible despair, I'm going to tell you about it. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. That is an imbalanced message. And it's an abomination to God. When somebody falls, go to them with mercy. Don't judge them. You never know when you climb up the spiritual ladder of success with God, the same toes that you step on climbing up that ladder when you start to promote yourself with all your spirituality. If you ever fall, those feet that you stepped on are attached to ankles that are attached to calves that are attached to thighs that are attached to another area of the body that you may have to pay homage to on the way down. Sow mercy and you'll reap it. If you ever stumble or fall, you'll reap mercy on the way down. That pastor who sowed mercy in Colorado Springs later fell. And guess what? There were people that rallied around him because they remembered what kindness he showed. He never spoke a negative word against anybody on his rise. He made some mistakes. But his ministry still sustained today. And when he fell, his congregation went from 14,000 to 11. That's not bad. How many ministers do you know that fall and keep their congregations? That's powerful. And he wasn't even pastoring after that. Jesus says, my desire is that you bear fruit and that fruit remain. You know why I believe it remained? Because he had the divine combination of faith, hope, and love. He didn't compromise the message he preached, even though at one point he got compromised. Is this helpful tonight? Here's the problem with the hope message when it's out of balance. A primary weakness that frequently cripples an overemphasized message of hope alone can be a genuine lack of God's power in the services. Well, in the sweet by and by you'll get it. Now how are you going to believe for somebody's miracle when you're thinking about the future all the time when Jesus is going to do it when we don't need healing because we're going to put off imperfection and put on perfection. Jesus said, pray in this fashion. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray this day. Question, is there any sickness in heaven? No. Do they have hospitals up there? No. So when you walk into a hospital, why don't you pray heaven to earth? And if not, do you have the divine combination have you ever tried to open a combination lock? You've got to turn it X amount one way, X amount the other way, X amount, and then stop and pop the lock. Mm -hmm. It takes three rotations in opposite directions for most master locks. Triple braided cord. Faith, hope, and love. Amen? Amen. You wonder why you can't get the lock open? Use all three! Come on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> in a word, while they may die gracefully, they usually do die, possibly years before their time. Rarely do genuine healings, miracles, or significant measurable gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest during a hope service. 
In fact, they are sometimes even quenched. Although the feel-good message of hope in the afterlife is true and it is our eternal goal, Jesus promised that we would have life and have it more abundantly in this present world, John 10.10. If the faith message puts too much emphasis on the here and now, the hope message often places too little emphasis on this dimension of Christ's message. Love. Lastly, we examine love. God's message of love is usually marked by an incredible unconditional love for those who show up on the doorstep of the church. Food programs, nurseries, prison outreaches, clothing banks, and a number of other things to help the homeless, lost, and downcast. They demonstrate a genuine willingness to accept all who come to Christ, as the Bible teaches. They don't judge anyone just as Jesus commanded in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Moreover, they truly know how to uplift and love the unlovable, bringing many to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The gospel message of God's unconditional love is seen throughout Jesus' life. He was called a friend of sinners. And he was seen ministering to the prostitutes and tax collectors. Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. Jesus never judged sinners, but loved and forgave them. He did judge religious folks who knew the word. The religious elite despised the fact that Jesus allowed society's outcasts near him, let alone spent time with them. While faith and hope congregants can be a little uppity and even judgmental at times, the love congregants judge no man and accept everyone. Quite a refreshment against the backdrop of a sometimes legalistic group of people. A legalistic body that comprises the other two table legs. Moreover, the love leg are often used by God to heal emotional damage incurred by certain well-intentioned faith congregants. Many are desperately in need of this powerful leg of the gospel. But the greatest of these is love. I have a relative. She has a friend who has led a homosexual lifestyle. She demonstrates love. She was walking through a mall 15 years ago with her friend who's a homosexual, a male. And she was loving him as a sister would a brother. And she was walking with him with her arm in his, you know, just trying to comfort him. He'd been through a really rough time. Brought on by his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. There were some people that were taking her son to church in a faith church. At five years old, he was speaking in tongues. He got a genuine touch from God. They were neighbors. Here's what happened. They saw my sister with this person. My sister was married. They judged her saying she was with another man. It, trust me, he wasn't interested in her. The point is this. They ran their faith mouth outside of the faith of God. They offended her. She hasn't been back to church and that child is now 28 years old and is an agnostic. Oh, man. That's the damage that's done by the unbalanced message. Do you think those people heard from heaven? They were doing such a great job with the faith, but they lacked hope and they lacked love. And they ran their mouths apart from the oracle of Jesus speaking through them. And they ramrodded a spike through her heart to where she doesn't want anything to do with those damnable Christians. Now she's in a new age church. 
where a homosexual pastor sleeps with his homosexual lover and gets in the pulpit and preaches this tolerance and love for everyone. And she's in a message which is a contrary message to the Bible. Do you know why? Because the people that preached to her preached one leg and took the other two legs that they lacked and speared her with them and beat her over the head with them under the auspices of contending for the faith. Amen or ouch. When I talk to her, she says, you're not like those other ones. I still contend for the faith on every major issue, but I pick my times to address those issues. I have people on Facebook, I see some of their stuff, I'm so shocked. I go to unfriend them and the Lord says, No! They'll watch your videos. They'll send you a private message. They'll get exposed to the gospel if you continue to allow yourself to be exposed to them. When I see some of the things on my Facebook feed, I am shocked at what people will put out there. I mean, they're not doing their deeds in darkness. They're doing them in noonday. And I'm like, I cannot have... Be in the world, but don't be of the world. Let your boat be in the water, but don't let the water be in the boat. Ministers to widows and orphans in their distress and keep yourself unspotted from the world. And then, after I don't unfriend them for what they've done, all of a sudden, two weeks later, I'll get an instant message. I've been watching all of your videos. I love you because you don't judge me. Faith, hope, and love. You don't have to compromise what you believe because at the right time they'll come to you because they know what you believe because you live it. You don't just speak it. In conclusion, one of the weaknesses that may plague the love-only message can be a lackluster ability to minister tough love when at times tough love is necessary. For example, congregants may demonstrate unconditional love for the alcoholic, drug addict, fornicator, homosexual, while failing to ever preach the life-changing truth that will set them free. They may fear offending or judging anyone. Love without faith for deliverance from sin is an unbalanced table leg of God's truth. If we truly love someone, we will desire to see them set free and delivered from sin, not just love them while they wallow in it. Don't fund people to stay in sin. Don't fund them to stay in sin. Unless God tells you to bless them, then you do it. Why? Because God's told you to in that moment. But if you do it, you've taught a false message by your message, by your actions. I know a man... His son is a drug addict. He's been violent with his mother, stolen from the family repeatedly for a decade. His father finally met with him. He said, I can no longer financially support you in this matter. I love you. When you're ready to be free, call me. Don't call me for any other reason than to say, I'm ready to turn from this and it turned back to freedom. He told his whole family, don't call him, don't respond to his text messages, his emails, his phone. 
Don't give him any money. He's not allowed in the house anymore. He's stolen from us. He's done physical acts of violence. You know what, you know what the kid did? He then began to vandalize the, the, their, their home and their automobiles because he wouldn't let, wouldn't let them in. Gets arrested. They won't even press charges. But now he gets caught up in some other things. They won't accept his phone calls from jail. You know why? Because he kept looking at the love and he wouldn't respond to it. He used it to continue to sin. But, here's the good news. When he was ready to repent and he called out for genuine repentance, the family flocked around him. Do you see the difference in the timing? So one is unconditional love, but it loves enough to say, I'm not going to support you to continue to sin. I'm not going to fund you and fuel you continue to sin. You know, I had a mother who said to me one day, when I called her, or she called me on the phone, I was getting ready to go steal a jet airplane in Florida. It's kind of a, you know, a weekly deal. And Well, was I? anyway. Um, went down to Boca Raton, but that day, she stopped praying for me to have God's mercy. And she said, Lord, I don't care what you do with him as long as you preserve his life and save his soul. I was arrested 24 hours later at a private airfield in Boca Raton, Florida with a stolen brown and white Cessna Citation II jet, a Mercedes-Benz, and a bag of cash. I didn't pass go. I didn't collect $200. I went to jail. I went directly to jail. And I spent the next 19 years, 6 months, a week, and a day in federal prison. And they came to see me. But love finally says, enough. Lest sentence is executed speedily against a matter, it is fully set in the hearts of the sons of men to do wickedness. Stop praying so much mercy. All you're doing is stacking the sin. You're empowering them to continue. You know, if you get caught stealing the first cookie jar, odds are you're not going to knock off the bank. Because crime paid. But if crime doesn't pay, people will stop. Okay. <laughs> My mother's prayers Hallelujah. empowered me to succeed in sin. And I thought it was because I was smart. I didn't even have an unpaid parking ticket before I got arrested for two stolen jets. Five million dollars worth of jets. Two suitcases full of cocaine. What if she'd prayed I'd gotten busted with the gram? Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Point to ponder. <laughs> but God used it. Because of Romans 8, 20, 80, work all things together for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And now we got a prison ministry that reaches a thousand facilities, state and federal, across the United States and 18 internationally with leather-bound study Bibles helping change lives one Bible at a time. But thank God for the loving support of family and friends. Thank God for the balance of faith hope, and love, including tough love. Money is not your problem. Money is a symptom. You don't have a money problem, you've got a thinking problem. And normally it's a stinking thinking problem. If money can fix your problem, you don't really have a problem. Here's the closing thoughts.
When you get into a fix, it's normally because God's trying to fix something in you. When the devil puts you in a fix, when somebody gets you in a fix, your friends, your right-hand man gets you in a fix, the devil or God fixes a fix because he's trying to fix you. If you can fix the fix before you yourself get fixed, God will just have to fix another fix to fix you. You can quote me. And here's how we try to do it. We try to fix people with money, with a doctor, a lawyer. We try to fix them with a senatorial connection. But if there hasn't been an internal fix, there will have to be another fix externally to fix somebody into a situation where they'll finally call on God to get fixed. So why don't you start praying, God, fix them from the inside out regardless of what you've got to do. Because you're big enough, even if they're four days in the grave and stinketh, you can raise Lazarus from the dead. You're big enough. If they got to go to jail to avoid going to hell, it's worth it. Now, I'm not saying you pray judgments on people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about imposing the imprecatory psalms. Oh, let fire fall from heaven. No, you know what? Not matter of spirit, you're up. But I'm talking about asking the Lord to move internally in their heart. And if they don't respond, Lord, so that the sin doesn't stack. Ecclesiastes 8.11. And I'm repeating it again. Unless a sentence is executed speedily against a matter, it is fully set in the hearts of the sons of men to do wickedness. If the prayer had come the first time I sold a gram of cocaine, odds are I wouldn't have been arrested for a stolen jet and another one they didn't know about that they finally hit me with. And then a couple of suitcases full of cocaine. And a Mercedes-Benz in a bad cash. Point. Faith, hope, and love. The divine combination. The balance of the message. Of the gospel of the kingdom. Are you in balance? Are you on the road with Jesus as the focus of your eyes? Are you looking to Jesus are you looking to Jesus? Are you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Because out of an intimate relationship with Jesus, everything else is born. Because if you have faith to move mountains but have not love, you're a clanging cymbal and a resounding brass. If you genuinely have love, it will produce faith because faith worketh by love. And if God chooses not to do something in the here and now, thank God that hope springs eternal. Let's close in prayer. Let us stand. I'm going to close with 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not behave rudely. Don't call that tough love. Love does not behave rudely. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. 
does not seek its own, is not easily provoked, it thinks no evil, God's love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, doesn't rejoice when people fall, rejoice not when your enemy falls, lest the Lord see it and withdraw His hand from punishing him. So Proverbs says, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hope all, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And now these remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let us pray. Father, I have seen the need for balance in the message that I live and the message that I preach. A message you've given me to preach as an ambassador for Christ. You've committed unto me the message or the ministry of re reconciliation even as God was in Christ reconciling the world back to Himself. So Christ is now in us reconciling the world back to Jesus through the message we preach through our lifestyle of the divine combination of faith, hope, and love. I ask your forgiveness, O Lord, because I stand convicted today. I spoke, I spoke, if I've spoken harshly against someone, another denomination, another ministry that's doing something that we're not doing and we've been blinded by our own success in an area which has been so limited because if it was greater there wouldn't be people going to hell as fast as the unlocked wheels of time can carry them. There wouldn't be churches closing on every street corner. There wouldn't be hospitals increasingly filled with sick and afflicted and the insane, the maimed, the drug addict, the prostitute. They'd be, experience the love of God with faith and hope and they'd be delivered. Father, we need you today. I ask for the balance and an impartation of the full message of Jesus Christ, the divine combination that I might be made whole in my own spirit, my own soul, and my own body. And that I may take your message of the complete gospel, the divine combination of faith, hope, and love to others in like manner until the earth is filled with your glory. If you're in agreement with that, say amen. amen. So Father, based upon the agreement of the amen, which means so be it, I pray that you would release divine balance. You'd begin to show us in the wee hours of the night. You'd begin to show us in your word. You'd begin to expand and enlarge our understanding that we would have balance and we'd be immovable when the storms come that we'd be able to bring the gospel unto others in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. If you want to give tonight, we encourage you to do so. You can write your check to Eagle Heart Fellowship. You can make a notation on there what you'd like to direct your donation for. We do Bibles to prisoners. We have needs as we're building out this fellowship. We've added some signage on the left and on the right. We need funds to meet the needs of signage. We've got the bathroom has been marvelously redone and retiled and mirrors have gone up. And if you see the beautiful mirror in there when you walk in, when you close the door, there's a full-length mirror. And if you see yourself in that full-length mirror and you find yourself not being able to come out because you're so enamored with yourself, we've got a message from the easy earlier week called Glory Be to Me Syndrome. Come out and get it and get delivered. <laughs> 
So feel free to sow. This is good soil. This is an equipping house. It's a filling station. And people come and get healed, delivered, set free, equipped with the gospel of the divine combination. If you need prayer, come on up. Now would be the time. And our sister Carolyn, would you come up and play guitar for us? This is not her primary musical gift set. But I got news for you. She knows how to bring it. Amen. We miss our dear sister Zenobia. Was caught in traffic. Well, come on up and get healed. And Juan, would you come up and minister healing with us? What happened, sister? I was going to get Bobby, and then I just got sick. I turned around and went back, and then I turned around and came back. Amen. This one's going to get a little touch from God tonight. Amen. Amen. How many want to believe the uh, faith message tonight, as well as love and hope? Amen. You need restoration, don't you? We're going to get her in. Mom, why don't you get a little Holy Ghost zap here? Amen. Amen. Tammy, why don't you go ahead and... Thank you, Jesus. Stretch your hands forth and participate. You know, Christianity is a full contact sport at times where you lay hands on. And we heal the sick. We cast out devils of infirmity and sickness and we command the brains to begin to function. We command every blockage in the blood from any fall and stroke commanded to go from her. And we just speak life. You shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. We speak the word of restoration. Restoration, I command every function in this body to begin to operate in its optimum levels. She's Spanish, so let's just pray a little bit in Spanish. Padre Celestial, Tú eres el Todopoderoso. Cristo vive, porque Él vive, nosotros vivimos. Enfermedad. Diablo, en el nombre de Jesucristo, con el poder del Espíritu Santo, te ordeno, salí, salí, salí. And no regreses más. In Jesus' name, we just declare healing and restoration. We speak the word of God. I command the neurological functions to begin to operate. I command the arm to begin to function. I command mobility to come back into this body right now. I command every hindrance and every hindering spirit, every generational curse, and everything that's been spoken against this daughter of the King. I break its power. I break its power. I smell that spirit going from her right now. Smell that thing in the realm of the spirit deposited. I it's broken off. You ravaging spirit, I break your power off of her. And though you came in one direction, I command you and your cohorts to flee in seven. You'll not get back on her after she leaves. I speak a hedge of protection and the angel of the Lord. There it goes, there it goes. Out, 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 out. Go! Thank you, Jesus. Something's happening right now. Moto kushi ki masatariki bosho koto ribasam ki matate ki shiribosam kamatatariko shishiribasam 
Shiriba satara boshiki Shiriba and no longer will it be said of you that you've sown much and reaped little for your harvest is coming in Jesus name and the salvation of your family and loved ones Jesus name Jesus' name. Loose her and lift off of her. In the mighty name of Jesus. ¿Cómo te sientes? Sientes el poder del Espíritu Santo, la presencia de Dios ahorita mismo. In the brainstem, I commanded to be restored completely. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Hay libertad, hay libertad, hay libertad en Cristo Jesús, hay libertad. Hay sanar. Hay misericordia. Tormentors, salí y no regreses más. Hay restauración con el poder del Espíritu Santo. Con el poder del Espíritu Santo. Con el poder del Espíritu Santo. Santo eres tú, Señor. Santo eres tú. Santo eres tú, Señor. Santo eres tú. Gloria a Dios. Gloria a Dios. Gracias, Jesucristo. Amén y amén. Amén. Once that power goes in. It begins to multiply in you. God did something. I felt that thing go. Yeah. Amen. You're going to get better and better. The lepers were healed as they were going. Cuando los enfermedades se fue, se fueron, más sanar viene. La Biblia dice, te vas a caminar, más sanar. Te vas a caminar, más sanar. Gracias, Jesús. Gracias, Jesús. Amén. Amén. Algunos milagros instantáneamente, otros un proceso. ¿Entiendes? Y el poder adentro, afuera. Adentro, su, su cuerpo, su espíritu, su alma. Y el poder está moviendo ahora. ¿Siente, no? Sí. Y no más sueños malos. No más. Okay. Rota. Quebrado. Sí. ¿Entiendes? Sí, está bien. Ok. Que Dios te bendiga, hermano. Gracias. Que Dios te bendiga. Hey, bro. What's up, Jason? Hey, man. This is my friend Brian. Hey, hey. Brian. Nice to meet you, man. Too, man. Yeah. Totally. Thanks for coming up and praying yeah, with us. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I just like to pray for Okay. Let's do it. I forgot about these.